0: Sports Complex. Afternoons five to seven. Woo! Hell yeah! On the horn. <laughs>
1: the sports complex here on the horn i'm your host patrick davis got a big show for you today of course the big news coming out of the 40 acres is that there's a new defensive end coming to town we'll give you some info on colin simmons and his decision to come to the texas longhorns we will talk a little bit of texans before we get you to their preseason game they're going to be playing at six o'clock today so uh we'll give you some pre we'll give you some talk about the texans before that game starts we got Patrick's big fat poll of the day. A bunch of audio from Sark. He was on the Jeff Page show. We will give you some audio of that. Uh, Quinn Ewers and Jalen Ford to talk to the media today as well. We will get into that. And some other news. Uh, and uh, anytime the Aggies have to do something uh, not favorable, it's always fun to talk about. So we'll get into that. Some more realignment talk. And a uh, little news about the UFC as well, all coming up on the show today. Uh, it was a good day here at the office. We had uh we had some some people giving, you know, some some claps and some some cheers here as the news came out about Colin Simmons uh deciding to take his talents to Texas. Uh very good news there. If anybody wants to join the conversation today, the Specs Text Line is wide open for you. 512-337-3776 is the Specs Text Line phone number. Uh feel free to join us on there. And uh, let your opinions be known, uh, how you're feeling about the, uh, the signing of Colin Simmons. Let us know what you think about uh, the news of getting another top recruit. If Sark is doing his, his damnedest to get a good recruiting class in, uh, let us know what you think on the Specs text line. 512-337-3776. Uh, I do. Uh, Mike Craven was on B, uh, Rod E and Rodby this morning right here on the horn. And uh, this is what he said about Colin Simmons uh, to get you a little bit more hyped up about how good of this player could be.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's up there as a pure edge rusher. You know, I think one of the more interesting things about Duncanville and Galena park North shore is they play each other all the time. And so, you know, for 12, 13, 14 games out of the year, you know, those kids dominate. They don't see a lot of guys that, that are as equal as them that they'll see at the power five level. And then at the 6A Division One state championship game, you see you know, North Shore and Duncanville go up against each other. You get previews of, of college matchups, and you can kind of start to identify which guys stand out even in those situations. And if you go back and you watch last year's state championship win for Duncanville, the first time they got one over uh, on North Shore, Colin Sims is unquestionably the best player on the field. There's like 23 other FBF prospects out there. So uh, he's a really good football player who's played really high-level football you know, at Duncanville, you're playing against you know a lot of future offensive linemen in the NFL uh, a couple of them you know have been on the Texas roster right now, and so uh, he's tried and true, he's really good, he can get off the edge, he can do a little bit of everything for you, and I think if you look at Texas's roster, know that's probably the one spot where we're we're kind of questioning what they have there so uh, a big get if they're able to land them and and a kid who can probably come in and be a pass rushing specialist pretty quickly
1: yeah, that is a a big news. Colin Simmons out of Duncanville committing to Texas, the number 1 defensive end out of the 2024 class. Uh, defensive end has been one of those problems for Texas in the past few years, and it's been getting better, uh, You've and you've seen more rushing. Of course, DeMar- uh, DeMarvion Overshawn rushing off the linebacker spot. You kind of see him play a little bit at that edge rusher. So there's been guys that have stepped up in that role recently. Jalen Ford, I'm sure, will step up in that role some this year as well. Uh, but you haven't had that real – edge rusher at a top level for several years. Uh, I know several years back we had the problem that, I mean, no one was even getting three sacks. We, we didn't have anybody with, with three sacks on a season. If we could get, if we get you know, someone to come in and get us double-digit sacks in a season, if that's where Colin Simmons' potential could take us, uh, it's a wonderful thing. If you missed the announcement, of course they do it big. The kids today like to do it big. So he did a uh, ceremony, thanked everybody. Uh, for coming out thanked everybody for uh thanked his family and, and his brother and everything else and then uh, you know it's the, that all being said i decided to take my talents we had a guy come out with the lsu hat puts on the lsu hat says no takes it off picks up the miami hat puts it on says no and then asks his little brother and little brother has the texas hat underneath the table says he's taking his talents to the university of texas Uh, It's a very big signing, and it's another one of those uh, marks for Coach Sark and what he's able to do here at Texas, what Sark is able to do uh, recruiting-wise. Now we know there's a lot, and we'll get into what he has to get into do coaching. We'll get into that in a little bit, but for what he has to do to be able to you know, get the, the fan base pumped up to be able to get the type of players in. And, and look, we know he's not a defensive coach. So, get you know, being able to recruit uh, and again, having PK uh, be able to recruit a guy like Colin Simmons and want to be part of this team, and we know Colin Simmons is already trying to recruit some other guys to play on this defense, to pick this defense up to another, to another level. And your best recruiters in today's game are the players. So to get another five-star player on this roster is another big recruiting step as you go into the SEC next season. But when you look into what this signing is for Texas, what this signing of how, how it plays out of, of in the, the scale of the last time Texas got a defensive lineman of this level, that was what Rod asked Mike Craven this morning uh, on E and Rod B. And uh, here's Mike Craven Trying to remember the, trying to think of the last time Texas got a recruit this good on the D line.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're going just on on ranking, uh, Corey Redding, maybe a Sergio Kindle, you okay. know, those kind of guys. You know, Joseph Osai became that dude. You I know, mean, I don't know if we we thought he would become as good as he was, just because he was so new to football. I mean, Osai didn't know what football was until he was ten years old. You know, when he watched it with his uncle, um, and so I, I don't know if he was as uh, polished as, as Colin is. But yeah, I mean, a uh, uh, Corey Redding. Uh, Sergio Kendall, like those kind of guys. I mean, this is a legitimate five-star top-ten player in the country, not just the state uh, type of kid. There you
1: go. That gets you a little bit more excited. Does that get you a little bit more pumped for the season? And I know this is 2024. This is, but it gets you a little bit more pumped for that that Alabama game because you know you're going to the SEC. That That right there. Will tell you that is uh it's a big move for Texas it's uh it's definitely one of the fun things uh to see coming in uh getting that news today it, all the reports were all trending towards Texas uh, LSU of course is definitely another one of those names that is Brian Kelly's done a great job recruiting over there uh, Miami that the problem with Miami was the money uh we don't know if that money's right now but another school that could easily go to uh. I, I th- it's just a great. It was a very good signing for Sark. It's another signing to kind of give this class this year. And I know they're very focused on this year. And they'll talk about it, we have some player audio for you later today, and some Sark audio for you later on the show. Uh, they're they're focused on this year. But whenever you get that news and you get that, and okay, now we can go and and for guys like uh, Malik Murphy or Arch Manning, uh, some guys that are a little bit deeper on this bench or Jonte Cook or somebody like that who is who's a younger guy, or maybe even Anthony Hill that's coming in and saying, man, this defense could be, I could be part of something really special on this defense. It's very cool to get that signing today with Colin with Colin Simmons out of Duncanville, the five-star defensive end recruit choosing Texas today. Uh, I do want to get into some Texan stuff. Uh, I know it is preseason. It is uh, not the biggest game, but this is a Texans preseason so this is a this is a game where you're going to see there's not a lot of guys that are really going to sit out. You know, uh, we may see a Jerry Hughes not play because you know he's a more well-known guy. Denzel Perryman may not play. There may be you know I, I don't know how much Blake Cashman is going to play. You assume he's going to play some. Once you get in that secondary, Jimmy Ward may you know he's a safety out there. He may not play a ton. Some of the older guys may not play a lot, a lot in the preseason but they have a lot of young guys. You expect Will Anderson to get some serious reps in the preseason. You uh, expect C.J. Stroud to get some reps in the preseason. And so watching a Texans game could be interesting. It could be, and I want to give you some position battles, and they're not even really battles because early in the preseason we're not even talking about who's going to be a starter. Because Texans just don't really have a lot of depth, so you can kind of figure out who's going to start at a lot of these positions. But – It's positioning on that depth chart. And who's going to be getting targets. And if we're talking about that, we're going to have to talk about the wide receiver core. Because Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Machie, Tank Dell, Noah Brown. Are all pretty much sure things to make the roster, right? They're all looking pretty happy and pretty good to to be a part of this rotation of wide receivers. And uh, it seems like it's going to be a rotation because you just don't know. But... Who's going to stand out in this preseason? Who's going to show early on that they have a connection with C.J. Stroud? We know we've heard before that Tank Dell, uh, C.J. Stroud said that he wanted Tank Dell. C.J. Stroud said, "Man, Tank Dell, go get out and get him." Once they drafted C.J. Stroud, he told the Texans, "I really like Tank Dell. If you get him, they they have a good rapport." Does he build up something there? Does John McShie come out and he starts to progress? Do we see that dirt through this preseason? Does Nico Collins, is he able to take the step of playing against number one cornerbacks? And you again, you may not be doing that in preseason. But is he able to get separation and be able to do what he did last year against these number one guys and find the rhythm with, uh, with C.J. Stroud? And is Robert Woods going to be able to be the guy? This is a big opportunity for him. Uh, he's been a journeyman pretty much now at this point in his career, traveled around, been on several teams, and not been able to make it stick. Can he be a veteran to this, this wide receiver core? And then Noah Brown. Look, we know if Cowboys fans, we've watched Noah Brown, and you see sparks, and and maybe he's got something. Maybe there's something there, but it never really came to fruition in Dallas. What is he able to do? Watching those guys, not so much in necessarily just looking at a box score, but watching how they break out in routes and watching how they're able to get separation and watch their timing with C.J. Stroud especially is going to be something to keep an eye on throughout this entire game against the Patriots. And we know Bill Belichick's not going to show you a ton. He's going to be trying to just figure things out on his defense. So you're going to be able to get some. You're going to be able to get some plays. Who's got the speed? Who's going to be a deep threat? All those things you're going to try and figure out by your wide receiver core. And then we go to quarterback. We know C.J. Stroud. Look, I know D'Amico Ryans can say C.J. Stroud is not you know, has not been named the starter yet. He's starter week one in preseason, but he hasn't named him week one for the regular season. That is what D'Amico Rines has said uh, so far. However, I think we all kind of know the writing on the wall is the question is then Davis Mills or Case Keenum. Can Davis Mills be the backup quarterback? Because if it's Davis Mills versus C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, I don't, I don't see why you put Davis Mills in instead of C.J. Stroud. We know it, but can Davis Mills become the backup quarterback over Case Keenum? Or does Case Keenum show what he's done earlier in his career? He's shown what he's done in Houston before and be a very serviceable, good backup quarterback. I want to watch the mat, the difference between Davis Mills and Case Keenum in this game. Can Case Keenum come in and play with some of these younger guys and still show off what he can do? If Case Keenum comes out doesn't have any turnovers, doesn't make any bad plays, moves him down the field a little bit, and Davis Mills is not able to do that. I think you see Davis Mills move down. I think you see Davis Mills maybe even play less minutes in the preseason because they may try to salvage Davis Mills as a trade option at some point if there's some other injuries and say, "Hey man, you know, this guy he's he's actually he's actually pretty good and he's actually smart." I don't know if you're going to be able to do that if he continues to struggle in the preseason. You may just have to stick him down at the end of the bench. But I'm not looking for the C.J. Stroud versus Keenum or C.J. Stroud versus Davis Mills. I'm looking at Mills versus Case Keenum to see if Davis Mills can become that, solidify himself as number two. Show progress over last season. Show something there. That's what I'm looking for in that uh, position battle. And then it's center. Center's a little bit weird. Juice Scruggs, rookie drafted. He is a guy they wanted to eventually put into that role. Scott Queensberry is the, was the starting center going into camp. He tears his ACL and his MCL at the beginning of August. So he's, he's done. He's, he's not coming back, we don't believe. So you have to then go into, is Juice Scruggs ready to be a starting center in the NFL with a rookie quarterback who you are going to have to try and protect? You need the clean handoffs. Can you build something and say, is he good enough? Is he ready enough for week one? If we put a rookie quarterback out there and we have a rookie center, do we feel he is ready enough that we will have growing pains? We know there's going to be growing pains. We know there's going to be growing pains with C.J. Stroud, too. But are they good enough? Can they build a connection that, man, maybe this is a center quarterback connection for the next decade in, in Houston? That's what you want. That's the, the best end. And the lines of it is, is this somebody that we can feel, you know, because of the injury to Scott Queensberry, that we can stick him in and see what he does and go through the growing pains this season? Can we do that with juice Scruggs? That's the question I want to see tonight. Does he play at a level? Is the, are the quarterback, whether it's shotgun, whether he's under center, you assume it's going to be a lot more shotgun. That's just kind of how a lot of uh, NBA, NFL action is today. So – and, and, I mean, look, and honestly, we're going to want to see how Bobby Sloat calls a game. I know it's preseason, but we've never seen Bobby Sloat call a play. So, who doesn't want to see that? But I, I want to see Joe Juice Scruggs, see what he can do at center, see his connection. If we have the connection there with, with C.J. Stroud, it is going to be – and all you need is for him to not get lost in it, be able to pick up things, be able to do some small things. And I think that'll be fine enough for him to be the starting center, and you'll be able to use him for as long as you can into the season. But I, I just need to see that he is not messing up some easy snaps. He's not. The situation is not too big for him in the preseason because we know it'll be even better when the crowds are full, the stadiums are are, are packed with people, and it's getting loud, and you're playing on the road, and things get tough. Then we just mentioned you want to see how this game is called an offense and defense. We've seen D'Amico Ryan's call defense. He mentioned it. Uh, he talked about it the other day uh, that basically, look, I'm not, I don't have anything to hide with how I call my defense. I don't have anything to hide about how I call defensive plays because I am – this is who I am. This, you, you've seen it. That's in San Francisco. That's what we did. I was play caller there. I'm, defensively, I was doing that. That's going to be the same stuff we're kind of doing here in, in, in Houston. But Bobby Slowick on offense, is this going to be a run the ball? Is he going to is he going to try some different things? Is he going to be trying to tank it downfield? What is Bobby Slowick? What is he? Is he uh, uh, more Mc, Mike McDaniel? Is he a more Lafleur? Is he a more Shanahan? Is he somebody completely different? Is he a mix of all of them? How much are you going to see in week one of preseason? You expect to see a ton, but to see how Bobby Slowick calls, and then to watch on defense, I will give you something to watch on defense. And there's going to be some lapses in this defense because it is D'Amico Ryan's trying to teach a new uh, a system to a bunch of guys who are young, a bunch of guys who maybe haven't played in a system like this before. There's going to be some uh, learning curve, and you're going to see where guys are missing, you know, missing assignments, basically. So watching who's going to be, who misses assignments, who's constantly where they need to be, who doesn't get blown past, who doesn't get there. So maybe not as much even... Uh, who's wrapping up the right way and who's getting the tackles and who's able to play defensive back. That's stuff you can watch for, but you're watching for that in every game. Just watching for guys that don't look lost out there on defensive points. When you see a guy standing and you can go, oh, he's 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 eight yards away from where he's supposed to be. That is something you can want to watch for in this game. And then for C.J. Stroud, I told you earlier, I'm not worried about watching him lose his number one spot. I don't think that's going to happen. Here's D'Amico Ryan's of what he is looking for in CJ Stroud. From CJ in this game, I just want to see a guy come out and command the huddle, command the huddle, command the offense,
2: uh, get us lined up, get everybody on the same page, and just operate efficiently.
1: That's it. That's all you want to see. You want to see him come out. He's played in much bigger games at Ohio State. You want to see him come out and just be the leader they need him to be. To not have any moment be too big for him in a preseason game. Come out, no, no jitters, and just say, look, I am your week one starter. That's all I need. I don't how he throws the ball, things like that, sure. If it's bad, it's gonna be bad. I don't expect it to be bad. I need to see him, though. I need to see him command the team. I need him to be able to get the team back. I want to see him not making the faces when someone drops a pass. You want to see him pick him up. We don't need to see any manning face. We don't need to see no offense to Arch. We don't know if Arch has Manning face. We don't know if he has resting Manning face, as Peyton and Eli clearly do every time the receiver would drop a pass. Uh, you want to see him show the leadership skills, pick this team up, and become the guy that you feel can start week one and, and be able to go. That's what you want to see out of C.J. Stroud. And, and what we want to see out of C.J. Stroud leads us to our big fat poll of the day. Thanks everybody for joining in the big fat poll yesterday. Uh, the answer, the question was, uh, who was who is the worst owner in American sports history? You guys voted, and you voted for Donald Sterling. He was a, a pretty terrible guy. Dan Snyder up there. Marge shot. I think people just didn't know her as well. And and Artie Moreno, our uh, J- uh, Jeffrey Loria. I'm sorry, was our f- our fourth option on that one. And uh, th- that was what I I know people went to Bud Adams and 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 some other guys that have moved teams, Art Modell, guys who moved teams tonight, Jeffrey Laurie did that as well. So I I put him in because he was hated by two separate fan bases. He is hated by the Montreal fan base. He is hated by the Washington fan base. He is also hated uh, by the Miami fan base. So he is basically hated by a lot of people. So I put him on that list, did not get the voting. Uh, So I need your help. Today we are not giving you a question that we need you to give us the choices. I need your reasoning. I need you... To give me good reasons for why you were picking who you were picking in this poll. Let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day here on a Thursday. Which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason? I'm going to give you four options. We're going to go with the top four quarterbacks taken. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. Anthony Richardson was named the starter for week one preseason as well. We believe Bryce, uh, Bryce Young will be that. I do not know if Will Levis will start. We know he will play. We know he will play in these games. So we're not looking at the full season yet because I don't know who's going to play. Will Levis may not see the field his entire rookie season. We assume the other three will. But I can't ask the question until we get into the regular season of who's going to be starting, who's, who will have the best or worst rookie season. But who do you think is not ready, even for preseason, is going to go out there, who's going to throw some picks, who's going to look stupid, who can't move the ball, who's going to be the problem, who may get sacked, who may not be able to pull it off? Which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason is the question. And I want you on the text line, 512-337-3776. Tell me who you got and why. I want to get to that because I'll read off those answers here in a little bit. Who you got and why of which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason? Bryce Young in, in Carolina has a lot of new players out there. He's learning a new system. C.J. Stroud, you're going into a Houston system that, pff, I mean, you have a play caller who's never called plays before, trying to run there. Anthony Richardson, we know all the potential. Some people say he's going to be the next best quarterback. He, Some say he will be the best rookie quarterback drafted this year. Others say he's going to be a bust, and he's not going to be any better than peak, than, than uh, you know than any other mobile quarterback that that doesn't have it. Some people say that. And Will Levis, we know, dropped out of the first round. So who do you think it is? Is it one of these guys? Does one of them step up? Let us know. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Tell us the question of the day. Which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason? Tell us on the Specs text line. We come back. I got some Sark audio. He was on the Jeff Pate Show, the late kick with Jeff Pate. Uh, we will play some audio from Sark. Get you, uh, maybe, see, maybe we can get you some more Kool-Aid on a day where Colin Simmons, the number one defensive end in the country, commits to Texas. We're going to be feeding you some Kool-Aid today, and uh, we'll be keeping up with the Texans as well. Coming up here on The Horn, 1019 am 1260 the Horn app, hornfm.com.
0: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn.
1: Back on the Sports Complex here on The Horn. Musical theme of the week. Best debut singles from some of the biggest bands around the world. And uh, Pearl Jam there with The Live kicking off their, uh, their first major single for our debut week here. We'll have, we'll have 512 Friday tomorrow, so uh, we'll be playing some local music tomorrow. But keeping it going with uh, the theme of the week. All week we've been playing bands and their debut singles in honor of our debut week. Uh, I told you we had some audio coming. From uh, the Jeff Pate show, that's uh, the late kick with Jeff Pate. Uh, He had Sark on his show the other day and uh, talking about Texas football, trying to get some more of that Kool-Aid on a day where Colin Simmons commits to Texas. Uh, We do have some clips from that we want to play for you. And uh, let's start off with just kind of Sark's opening statement, talking about uh, the program of Texas as a whole. Uh, And uh, this is just kind of an overview from Sark about Texas from where they've come from the end of the season last year to training camp to now where they're at, getting closer and a few weeks away from actually playing football for real.
0: Well, I mean, I think naturally you start you get that first inkling in spring ball, right? You you find out about kind of you know guys when they come back for the next season and just kind of where they're at from a mentality standpoint. Um, new leadership needs to step up. How you're going to start to fill roles, um, and then in the summer, I think is when you really start to to get a gauge for it. Especially now with the with the new rules, where you can work with them a couple hours a week, um, and you start to see the culture start to form and the leadership, uh, the work ethic that that it takes in, in summer conditioning. Um, and then when you get back to here now to training camp, and you start to see the growth. Like I talked to the team about, you know, I'm not trying to hold anybody to what they were a year ago. Or the way they performed in spring practice, because everybody should be improving. And if we're if we're all improving, then we should have been made you know really really good growth from last season, this past spring, even this summer, uh, to where you feel good about it. And that that's something for me that's been exciting. I really feel like every player on our team has has improved their play, and it continues to improve it.
1: That's kind of one of the themes in this that he says is leadership. It's about taking the standard and the culture of a team up to another level and and and, i mean that's one thing we'll give credit to sark for right uh and we give credit to sark for a lot of things clearly he's a great recruiter too but we want to give him credit for i'll give him credit for really putting in a culture of a higher higher standard football team now to get to where it really needs to get you have to reach the standard because you can't instill a culture of we're not going to be the team until we're a double-digit win team every year, until we're competing for a, a conference championship every year, until we, our name is in the playoff talks every year. Until you're there, that's where the standard needs to be at Texas. And that's the culture I believe he is instilling, but he just hasn't gotten to the point where he is, his ability – uh, of calling plays and the ability to get these guys coached up. And maybe it was just he didn't have the players yet. Maybe it takes time. But you can't fully instill that culture until you are at that that level. So you have to this year progress to being a double-digit win team. You have to progress to playing for a Big 12 title. You have to progress to being in a conversation for the playoffs. That way you can raise the standard even more and then keep it there. Uh, you know, I've said – there will never be enough credit given to Roshan Johnson for what he's done for this team of work ethic, leadership, and pushing this culture forward at Texas when it could have gone downhill and when there wasn't necessarily the right person to stand up. Roshan basically said in some interviews, well, we didn't know what to do, but we just started doing it. And that's the mentality you have to have at some points. And as you continue to progress as a team, you have to continue to say, hey, man, we may not have all the right answers, but we need to keep going. Sark talks about the difference, though, between year one to year three now and how you're able to build on each year's you know successes and failures to be able to build to the program and the standard that you want.
0: Well, it feels like hours now, you know, and, that, and again, and I, that's not – knocking anybody every there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in this profession whether it's recruiting developing your players the schemes you run um but ultimately we all you know you come in with a plan and and you try to implement it and year one you feel like you're 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 trying to coach everybody on how you want it to go whether it's recruiting whether it's media Um, whether it's player development in the weight room, whether it's nutrition, whether it's your scheme, um, and then you're trying to build depth and what does your depth look like in year one and the players that fit your scheme for the style of play by the time you get to year three, you know, if you, if you're doing it right and you're consistent with your approach to things. We should be pretty dialed in on recruiting. We should be pretty dialed in in our player development and the weight room and and how we, how we rehab and recover players. And we should be pretty dialed in schematically um, of, of the way we go about our business and the way we practice. And so uh, it does feel different. And y- you feel like the players are, like I've touched on, I don't think at this point now we can say the players are bought into what we're doing, right? You were trying to get that buy-in in year one in year three now i feel like our players are contributing to our culture and what we're about and they're elevating kind of who we are
1: there you go the difference of year one to year three is there's no more buying right you don't have to buy in you're either in or you're out and we've seen that there wasn't a huge hit in the transfer portal there was some but there there needs to be some and there's supposed to be some and it is one of those things of you know, when, when coaches get mad at the transfer portal, you're like, you also want some of your guys out every year to open up more scholarships, and you can bring somebody in that you feel is going to be a better fit. So it works both ways. But you you didn't have a ton of attrition of transfer portal losing some top guys. You even keep a Malik Murphy because you're able to have that leadership in there and have people feel that everyone is a part of this team right now. So that that right there, if you want to talk about – the right mentality walking into a season and the growth of a team. And when you can look at some of these teams, when you look at when teams start get to get built into programs at a higher standard, it takes that first class to kind of build the way. And you had those guys in Bijan and Rojo to help you start building that way. And now the next generation of guys, we'll hear from Quinn yours. We'll hear from Jalen Ford in a little bit. Those guys trying to take it to that next step. and, and, just the, the ability of some of these guys to continue to build when you have guys like David uh, Benda on your team and somebody like that who, who's been there for long enough to tell you what it means to be a Texas Longhorn and where he wants to go and how hard he has worked to get there. When you have those guys, you're, you're creating a better place. And so you can get through that part, and I think Texas has done very well on that. But then you also have to have the players. And in today's game, there's a lot of passing. And we know that the Big 12 is not necessarily, as Rod always says, it is a, is a running league masquerading as a passing league. But you better have a secondary that can stop running it can, can stop passing. Here's Sark on the, the Longhorn Secondary.
0: I really like our secondary. You know, when a I'll talk about Catalan first. You know, what a great addition to our team. Never mind just our secondary. You know, he comes with the real intent every single day. Um, he's very mature, he's very meticulous in his approach. The passion is there, the communication is there, um, and then the playmaking is there. And I I think obviously there's a level of physicality to his play that you have to have at safety that he definitely plays with. Uh, but we're returning three starters there as well, and Ryan Watts, uh, you know Jaron Thompson, and A. Barron. And A has been a fantastic player for us at Nickel, um, a guy who's been a playmaker in the run game, the pass game, creating turnovers. Um, but we have a lot of really good young players too. Terrence Brooks really came on uh, at the end of last season. We had an addition and a transfer in um, Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest, who was a two-year starter there. Um, you look at a couple kind of high-level recruits in uh, Derek Williams at safety, uh, Malik Muhammad at corner, and and then you you know Jalen Gilbo actually was starting ahead of. Jade Baron last year before a season-ending injury, so he's back, not to mention a lot of other faces. So I like the depth. I like the mix of veteran players and the leadership they provide, but I also like some of the youth and the playmaking ability that they provide.
1: There you go. There's Sark talking on the Jeff Page Show about a secondary, and if you talk about the secondary, it's a deep room now, which is what you want. You want as much depth as you can get because you never know where the injuries are going to come. And last year, if I feel the end, the the depth was not there at the wide receiver room, and that was a huge issue. And you know, you can go on to whether it was coaching, which I think a lot of it was coaching that they continued to throw it to Xavier Worthy instead of trying to give some of these other guys some more shots. And you know, you'd rather he would would have rather seen last year Xavier Worthy not get seven passes that go to him in a row, and then somebody else dropping one. So I get it. The other guy maybe dropped 7-2, but we didn't get to see that. The wide receiver room this year, though, seems to be, as of right now, extremely sack. Here's Sark on the Jeff Pate, the late kick show with Jeff Pate, talking about his wide receiver room.
0: I really like that room. You know, at the end of the day, I, I think that w- we've put a lot on Xavier Worthy for two years. You know, when he came in as a true freshman, that there was a lot on his plate. Um, and he handled it and he took it and he had to know everywhere and move everywhere. Um, and there was a lot, and he played a lot of snaps and a lot of reps and Jordan Whittington as well. I think now with the, with the addition of AD Mitchell getting in a healthy Isaiah Nair who we missed last year, who transferred from Wyoming, uh, the addition of a Jonte cook, um, the, the the kind of steady play of Casey Kane being back and then DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett, we, we've got a really talented room. I think one that where we can spread the field a little bit more, one that where guys aren't feeling like um, I have to be the one to make the play and Xavier's got to beat double coverage every play because – A.D. Mitchell's a good player. Jorah Whittington's a good player. Isaiah Nair's a good player. Um, You know, Jonte Cook can be a player. Not to mention, you know, how are you going to defend J.T. Sanders? And so ultimately, historically for me, when when we've had our best offenses, um, we've been able to deploy people across the field that that make it difficult for you to kind of pin down and hone in on. Uh, And in turn... The ball can get spread out when the quarterback knows to go with it, go with the ball. Uh, guys can make plays in space because they're getting those one-on-one matchups.
1: There we go. There's Sark, and thanks to the Texer. It is the Josh Pate Show. You're correct. I uh, was reading the wrong name. Josh Pate Show. You're correct. Late kick with Josh Pate. Uh, that it was uh, Sark on the wide receiver room. It is a great uh, to hear Sark be excited about this because we're hoping that this season is a season where Sark decides to throw the ball to a lot of different wide receivers, to throws it to the tight end, to include a Jonte Cook, to see what A.D. Mitchell did in the spring game, to the reports out of training camp that A.D. Mitchell looks amazing, to, of course, Xavier Worthy, to, of course, Jordan Whittington and get him more receptions and more targets this season. There is a lot of positives coming out of there. And the best part is, the more you're able to use all of these wide receivers, the more you're able to use them throughout the the, the regular season, by the end of the season, when you start going to some empty sets, which we know Sark will go into empty sets, when you start to go into those and you stick out four or five wide receivers and all of those guys can go make a play and people know and you can't back off of anyone, that – That is a big advantage because now it's not, okay, well, they're probably not going to throw it to the rookie. They're not going to throw it to the freshman who doesn't have, you know, he hasn't really gone out there and played. They're not going to trust his timing with with Quinn Ewers. They're not going to throw it over to Jordan Winston. They never throw it to Jordan. He's just going to run the little out and he'll be a check down, but Quinn Ewers is going to throw it downfield. If you use all of your guys and everybody gets targets during the year, When you get to later in the season, and we're hoping, again, you are a 10-plus win team, you're playing in a Big 12 championship game, you're trying to get to these these playoffs, the college football playoffs. If you can get there, you're going to need to have threats from many different levels. And being able to line up an Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Jonte Cook, A.D. Mitchell, along with J.T. Sanders as five receiving options. That's insane. And then, you know, hey, maybe maybe we can stick someone else out. Maybe we'll have Keelan Robinson in the backfield, someone who was averaging 10 yards of reception last year out of the backfield. Maybe we can do that. I I I enjoy it thoroughly. I, I think that there's a lot to, to really love about this wide receiver room. Uh, well, I do want to play you a couple more sounds there from the Josh Page show. Uh, this is Sark on the biggest change in his coaching style because this is, again – This is something you need as Sark to continue to grow, to continue to grow, to continue to grow. I get it. We're all learning every day. We're all trying to get better and be a better person every single day. But in coaching, sometimes there's a big roadblock for some of these guys that they think they're doing it the right way. And, man, it was, just, it was just a situation. It was just the player or it was just the call. And I don't need to change what I'm doing as a whole. And when you don't change what you're doing as a whole, it makes all the minor stuff and the micro stuff much harder to change because you feel the macro's right. So the micro, you yeah, okay, well, you know what? You know what the problem was? I was running, you know, 10% with 2RB. Uh, you know what? Let's do it twelve percent. That'll solve all the problems. And it doesn't come down to the being able to manage games late in games, which is the biggest problem Sark has had in the University of Texas. Here's Sark on the biggest changes he feels in his coaching style throughout the years of being head coach.
0: I think the, the probably the biggest thing is just diving into the players. You know, really having a, a connection with the players. You know, when when I was a young head coach uh, at the University of Washington, it was about how am I going to squeeze every ounce of juice out of these guys and, and how are we going to win? And it was so focused on winning and, and, and kind of result oriented if, if you want to call it that way. And now I think my connection with the players is such that, you know, how do I, how do I pour into them in a way that is not always about just football, uh, but about life and the impact that I can have on these guys uh, on a daily basis to where we can develop that trust uh, connection, Uh, that ultimately will then pour into the way we play. And if we do it the right way and we play really well, we'll get the results that we're looking for. So I think that's probably been the biggest change is just connection with our players. Uh, And a lot of that for some guys starts in the recruiting process. Uh, For some of the guys, it's, it's when they're here, especially the guys that you inherit. But inevitably, I think now I look back on my time um, it's not having a connection with a handful of guys on this team. I feel like I've got a connection with with all 120, you know, and and I try to be really intentional about that.
1: All right, you have a connection. You got a connection with all these guys, and you should be able to have a connection with them in the fourth quarter. And you should not need to rely on the guys that you only trust a couple. You should be able to rely on everybody then. If you have that if you have that connection with everybody, then we don't need to hear, well, I had to keep throwing it to Xavier Worthy. I had to keep doing this. And, look, we're all hoping Quinn Ewers goes in. He's a first-round draft pick. He's a Heisman finalist. That's what we want from Quinn Ewers this year. But if he's not, if he struggles early, and if he struggles and can't get it together, you need to be able to say, well, I have a good relationship with Malik Murphy and move him in. I don't want that to happen. I want, I want Quinn Ewers to be the guy. I got, We got audio from Quinn Ewers. He, he sounds like he's ready to be the guy. But you need to be able to have that relationship that when you come into the fourth quarter, you don't only trust a few guys. You need to know who you trust the most, and you have plays that you're ready to go, but I need to see the adjustments, and I need to see you have trust in this team to make the plays to coach this team as a whole in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to see. Finally, I'll play one last one from Sark. He was on the Josh Pate show, uh, the late kick with Josh Pate. Talking about leadership. It is the key that we will hear from Jalen Ford later. We'll hear from Quinn Ewers. It is one of the biggest pieces of what the season, what they're saying is going to be a change in this season. And it's big. It's not as big as fourth quarter adjustments, but it's a big change. Here's Sark on the leadership.
0: Well, I felt it last year. I mean, I really felt it at the end of our first year when, you know, we we were went through a rough stretch in year my my first year here. And there was a lot of tough losses and, and we lost a tough game and I'll never forget Roshan Johnson standing up in the locker room and he asked to speak to the team and and really to everybody in the organization that was in the locker room and and at that point you could feel a shift. Like no longer was it just me trying to say what we needed to be the players started to speak it. And I think that bled into last season. Um, you know, Roshan was a tremendous leader. Bijan was a tremendous leader. DeMarvion Overshown. The beauty of this year um, is I don't know if necessarily we have leaders like them or as good as them or whatever, however you want to call it, but we have more people in that in that space. And how do we get there? All the players that are here in year three in this program since I got here chose to stay right we're, we're living in this world of transfer portal uh, but all those guys the jalen fords the jordan whittington the christian jones the the jaron thompson's the alfred collins the byron murphy's those guys started to believe in what we brought to the program they signed up for something different but they're believing in what we're doing then the younger players were players that we signed that that believed in what we were doing and said, I want to go do that. And so now you really feel a locker room full of guys that are committed to to what we do and how we do and why we do what we do. Um, and so we have more people speak the same language. I think at the end of the day, you know, as coaches, we try to set an expectations and a standard for how things should be done. Well, now the players understand what those expectations are, and they're speaking to the standard and what it's going to take. And then when somebody's not meeting that standard, they're holding guys accountable to it.
1: There you go. Leadership is going to be improved. We'll hear about it more later in the show. I I, I love it. I love that this team seems to be tracked on the right pace to set a new standard at Texas, or a standard that's an old standard at Texas, but a new standard for Sark, a new standard for the last – 15 years of Texas football, reset the standard, let's say. Not not a new standard, a reset of the standard here at Texas. They seem ready to do it. They seem willing to do it. The question is, are they going to be able to finish out in close games? That's the question. Because everything else is just talk until they can finish out in a close game. Uh, one of our texters uh, is asking about if the, with the recruitment of Colin Simmons, does it boost Texas into the top five in recruiting for 2024? No, it does not. Uh, I believe they're around 17 in most people's rankings. Uh, they are only at 16 recruits. Some of the top ones have twenty, twenty three. So I, I could improve if they continue to recruit some more players. They could still get some more big names, uh, but they are not a top five uh, recruiting class right now from everything I've seen. So I, I'm not the most up on recruiting. I am not a recruiting expert by any stretch, but uh, no, I've not seen them near the top five, and I don't believe Colin is going to put them uh, sorry, Colin Simmons is going to put them there. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll read some of your tweets about the Big Fat Poll of the Day. We're asking you which rookie will have the worst rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason. Uh, you can t- chime in there with your answer. And why? 512-337-3776. Which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis. We'll read your answers when we come back here on The Horn, 1019 am twelve sixty on the Horn app and hornfm.com.
0: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons
2: only on the Horn.
1: There you go. All right. New theme of the week is best debut singles from some of the best artists in the world. Got to slip in some D'Angelo. There you go. Some D'Angelo for you. The brown sugar. That's some good stuff right there. Let's get to our text, guys. We've been asking you the big fat poll of the day. Uh, Specs text line 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line to join the conversation. Which rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason out of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis? The first four quarterbacks taken. You guys have answered the call on the Specs text line. Uh, we have uh Anthony Richardson. because He's not that good. He's just relying on his athleticism, and athleticism doesn't save you in the NFL like it did in college. We get another Anthony Richardson. Here's his college stats were terrible, and his athleticism has fooled everyone. You know, I, I don't I – don't disnes- I'm more curious about Anthony Richardson. I don't, I don't want to say that his athleticism is going to make him a bad quarterback. Just We know he's very athletic. The question is, can he sit in the pocket long enough and, and make the reads and then use the athleticism correctly? I don't know. We will see it. Uh, I could believe, though, that the Rook coming out early, trying to learn a lot, trying to make a big – I feel like this is a, a bigger step for him, the, but he may be the guy to do it. C.J. Stroud, because it's Houston – just hating. Are you hating on Houston, or are you hating on, are you hating on the, the, how bad it's been? Because I get it. I left the team for years because the dumpster fire became. Are you hating on it because you're a Cowboys fan or a non-Texans fan, and you're hating on it? Or are you hating on it because, yeah, you're right, Texans have been. Their O-line's not terrible. I know Titus Howard is out, and you're starting a rookie center. We talked about that as well. They're, they have some injuries, but their O-line healthy isn't terrible. So there's something positive there. Uh, also, the wide receiver, of course, super young. Uh, we get a Will Levis in there uh, talking about uh, Will Levis reminds uh, him of a skinnier Russell, uh, Ru- not Russell Wilson, Jamarcus Russell, who he reminds him of a skinnier uh, Russell Wilson, but uh, our J- Jamarcus Russell, Jamarcus Russell, the great story of Jamarcus Russell uh, being handed a DVD from a coach and told him, hey, uh, look at all these plays and tell me which like three or four are your favorite. And he handed him a blank DVD. And the blank DVD, he comes back the next day and he goes, Hey, did you watch the film? He goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, so what do you think? He goes, Oh, all the plays are good, man. He's like, I, I, I didn't put anything on that DVD. It's a great story. Hopefully, Will Levis is not that dumb. Hopefully he's not. Uh, we get uh we get a yeah, we get I, I mean, I don't see any Bryce Young's. So no Bryce Youngs are on there. Uh I do, yeah, we see more Will Levis on there, Combine Warriors, Richardson and Levis. Uh, CJ Stroud's got one vote on there so far. We got no Bryce Young, so nobody feels that Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it's hard to believe that he will be the worst. So I, I agree with that one as well. I it does seem like it's coming down to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. We will see tonight. The game is about to uh, kick off there. Houston versus the Patriots. They're doing the national anthem right now. Uh, for anybody who wants to put the game on while you listen to the show, clearly I'm not telling you to stop listening to the show. Uh, and you do not have cable. You do not need NFL Network. Uh, you will be able to watch the game uh, on KVU, so you can watch the game there. Uh, that is where you'll be able to watch it in the Austin area. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get into, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Colin Simmons committing to Texas, the big news of the day, of course, and we have some player audios from player availability. Quinn Ewers and Jalen Ford We're talking to me today. We'll get to that when we come back here on The Horn, 1019 and 1260 on the Horn app and hornfm.com.